And all of God's people said, Amen. 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 That was exciting. That was thrilling. It's so exciting to be under the sound of God's word because it's beautiful. It's perfect. It doesn't need to change. It cannot change because, like we said last night, it already exists in the highest state of divine perfection. And so, so it, it purifies and it convicts and it forgives and unctionizes. It's so great to be a Christian. So I love you folks very, very much. It's amazing how God's great family works. It's amazing how God is so gluey or he, God is sort of like glue. He, he draws us together and we become one in fellowship because we're the sons and daughters of God. And, you know, we've only been here in the county you know, 24 hours or 30 hours, and it feels like I know all of you really, really well. That's because it's an act of God. And so that's what the Word of God does. That's what the Spirit of God does. And we're to worship Him here tonight in spirit and in truth. Get your Bibles one time. Get your Bibles, please. And go to Ephesians chapter 2. I would like to maximize on another theme. We would like to unwrap another theme in... Paul's epistle here in Ephesians chapter 2. Before we get there and read a few verses there, I would like to say that someone has said uh, the greatest thing, one of the greatest things that a man can do is to realize his own need. And Pastor Josh was talking about our needs. And so is there anybody here tonight that you have no need in your life? Would you please raise your hand? You have no need in your life. How about James? I mean, you're 82. Certainly you have it all covered, eh? No. Flying to heaven on flowery beds of ease. Can't wait to be 82. So we all have a need. So one of the greatest things that a human being can do is to realize the fact that they have a need. But that's not the greatest thing. The greatest thing is to humble ourselves and have that need met in Jesus Christ. Do you agree with that? Okay, amen. So, all right, so I saw a lot of heads going this way. Yep, 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 that's good, I agree. So the next question is, are you going to do it? What are you going to do? What are your plans tonight if God miraculously exposes a need in your life? Do we deny? Do we shrivel up, de-inflate, crawl into the book rack beneath the carpet? Or justify ourselves, saying, hey, there's someone in the congregation whose need is greater than mine. What are you going to do if God says, points out a specific need in your life? So if you're here tonight and you've got a need and you're a little bit uncomfortable being beneath the sound of the word of God, you are not at the wrong place. You're at the right place. This is the place. This is the place where we come to get right with God. I said last night, did I not, that we're all struggling. So if you're struggling, if you're not sure, get a grip. You, don't have, you do not need to be humanly embarrassed because we've all been sinners. We all have needs and we do failures and we've got to say, I'm sorry, and get on our telephones and walk up on porches and knock on doors and, and make apologies and confessions. We're a broken people. Come on. We're a broken people. We have needs. You've got one. Don't sit there tonight as though you have no need in your life. Because, I mean, I do. And many times I think I'm in the wrong end of the pulpit. So that's the kind of preacher 
that you have here tonight. I know that you didn't want a good one. You didn't want the best one. You didn't want a preacher that has no needs. That's why you all stooped to call on me. So, <laughs> so I, <laughs> sorry about that. I just came real fast in my mind. So I, I have needs tonight. Now, as far as I know, there's no sin in my life. There's no sin. I'm in victory. I love life. I love to preach. Is that okay to say? It's sort of fun. Does that sound too secular for you? Well, I'm not going to lie. What I would rather do than talk about the Lord Jesus Christ. And one of the greatest pleasures my wife and I had in our life is help people come closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a blessing. So if you have a need, get it met tonight. Get it met, okay? You're at the right place, not the wrong place. You're at the right place. Okay, Ephesians chapter 2. So tonight, I think we want to talk about maybe the new life. Well, that's right. I never, I'm not good at giving my messages a title because I'm not always sure exactly which way I'm going to go. But I think the title we would have for tonight is the new life or life in Christ Jesus. So last night we talked about all the dirty, filthy stuff that alienates us. And we're going to do a little bit, a little bit of repetition tonight because they tell me a good speaker, when he does a presentation, he needs to tell the people what he's going to tell them. Then throughout the process, he tells them what he's telling them, right? And sort of towards the end, he needs to repeat, be a little bit redundant and tell them what he told them. So we're going to overlap a little bit tonight, and we're going to look at some things, and then we're going to go on to this thing of the new life in Christ Jesus. So don't just sit there and say, amen, yes, that's right, good, oh, I like that, boy, that just, you know, that just feels like grease lightning, I like that kind of preaching, I mean, I like that. Uh, Don't just only, don't stop there. If there's a need in your life, please, would you avail yourself to this grace, to this work of God, the new life. If, uh, if you're not measuring up and you're under conviction, don't just say, oh, thank you, that, that sounded good, that sounded theologically correct, but, you know, make it applicable. Apply it to yourself and do something about it. That's what I got to keep telling myself. Okay, new life. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2. You're already there. And I would like to read verse 1. Tonight I would like to unwrap, like they say, verse 1. Verse 1 is a high definition. Did you ever hear that phrase? It's a high definition verse, meaning there's a lot of truth uh, in this verse that we need to explore. And I'm going to fail. It's frustrating. When you want to talk about the Word of God and you want to explain things, but your English vocabulary is too small. And then you can think some words, maybe in Pennsylvania Dutch, which I may, maybe know 10 words. I don't have a terrible Dutch accent. That doesn't mean I speak Pennsylvania Dutch. Or I might, I know some French and Haitian Creole. I can incorporate some of that. But it's so frustrating when you want to talk about God and who he is and what he does and the way he does, the way he does what he does. It's so frustrating because there's not words enough. To define the mind of God and the word of God and the work of God. So it's really frustrating sometimes, but I I still enjoy doing the attempt. So let's look at verse 1. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Let's read that together. That's uh, King James, old King James. You might have new whatever. Here we go. One, two, three. 
And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Now listen, what I see, I see several beautiful dynamic things here in verse 1 that we want to explore tonight. Number one is there are two extremes. There are two extremes in verse 1. Because here he says, and you hath he made alive. We are divinely, supernaturally, dynamically made alive. We are divinely made alive. Now the word divine has to do with, with theology. The word theo means, of course, is God. Of God. And ology is the study of God. So the, the, uh, you know, in theology... The, the word to be made, to be quickened is to, is to be made alive, divinely, as an act of God. This is an act of God, and Pastor Josh just sideswiped that thing a little bit when he talked about the fact that our salvation, which is so hard to understand, and this is why sometimes young people do not have the assurance of salvation because they don't understand that salvation and regeneration... And the new birth is an act of God, not an act of the sinner. Repentance and confession and maybe sanctification is an act of mankind that we do in order to secure God's provision of salvation. But the conviction and the forgiveness and the cleansing and the redemption and the assurance of salvation is an act of God. So never doubt it. God knows what he's doing. God knows what game... Uh, game he's playing. Eh, don't like that. God knows what he's doing. And so don't try and take God on and say, God, I'm not sure that you really can save a person like me. Never question God. Do not question God. Okay. So now, what I want to notice here is that we're, we're, we're looking at two extremes. We're looking at being quickened, divinely, miraculously quickened. And then the other extreme we see is dead. He quickened, and you hath he quickened, who were tragically dead, grisically dead, stinkily dead. So do you see the two extremes? So here we have... Quickened by God, being made heirs to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ to the point where Jesus is our brother because we all become the sons of God and we are a part of the great family of God through the cleansing blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are quickened, but look what we have been quickened from. Look at the extreme. We have been grisically dead, hopelessly, helplessly alienated and separated from anything of any spiritual heavenly quality. Are you halfway with me? So this is, not ex this is not surprising because as we page through the pages of the Bible, going way back to Genesis 1, the whole way through, even including Leviticus, and maybe there's some of you here tonight in school, you memorize Leviticus backwards. So Leviticus is in it, and you go on through the book of Revelation. Chapter 22, we notice that it is a book of extreme. Jesus depicts the Christian life as an extreme. Let me explain. We believe that the Bible teaches the two kingdom. Most people say concept. I don't like that word. 
we believe, we know that the Bible teaches the two kingdom reality. So God tells us over and over in his word that there is God and there is Satan. Now what is the likeness between God and Satan? Do they almost overlap like this, like two circles? Do they almost overlap? Do they overlap halfway? No, they're, they're extremely different. So the, and, and, and so it is with our master, with our destination. Jesus said there's two roads, right? There's the wide gate, the easy way that leads to destruction. There's another road that is narrow and winding and difficult. So there's, there's two masters, there's two gods, totally separated. The characteristics of the two are in extreme. We have two final destinations, do we not? Let me ask you, what, what is the similarity of heaven and hell other than people will be in both of them, other than a few things? What is the similarity in characteristics of heaven and hell? Are they almost alike or are they extremely different? So in the two-world concept and in the Word of God, we discover there are a lot of extremes that are far from alike. And this is what I'm finding. This is what beautifies, this is what beautifies verse 1. He quickened us together in Him while we were terribly, grusically. Am I saying that word right? Or is that French? When something is... Filthy, filthily grusique. Okay, that must be French. Sorry about that. Let's get back here to English. Uh, <clears throat> uh, filthy. When something is filthy, it wants to make you regurgitate. Filthily dead. So can you imagine, do you see the beauty of this first? Do you see the two extremes when something that was the very object, stay with me, stay with me, the very, very same object, object, that was at one time filthily dead becomes something divinely heavenly. The same object. I'm not talking about two different objects. I'm talking about the same object. This is the beauty and the power and the authenticity of the Word of God. He takes something that is terribly, terribly dead. Now verse 5 runs with it. Even when we were, what's the next word? Dead in sin. So where does sin come from? Satan, right? The works of the flesh. Even when we were dead in sin, in such a despicable. Now that's an English word. You got that one? <laughs> when, we, when we were just dead, filthily dead. He quickened us together with Christ because we are saved by grace. That is an act of God. So maybe there's somebody here in the audience tonight. I don't know. Maybe it's a young person. Maybe it's a 12-year-old. Maybe it's a 14-year-old. You've got to come to Jesus Christ tonight because you're dead. Sorry. Filthily dead. Alienated. Separated from God. Uh, that's not terribly horrible. If... If you do something about it, 
If you do something about it, there's hope tonight. If you're squirming in conviction, if you're not sure, if you're backslidden. Could there be somebody here tonight that's backslidden? Get a grip. Be for real. Come on. Uh, there's hope. There's hope. Filthily dead, being changed, that very same object becoming divinely heavenly. That's not good English either. I'm getting all tangled up in my English. And <laughs> uh, now let me show you something. What I mean by being filthily dead, let me show you. Go to Romans, Romans, go to Romans. Romans is one of the most powerful books in the, in the Bible. You could just preach out of Romans over and over and on and on and on and then just finger scrape the surface, fingernail the surface. But let me, let me show you what I mean by being filthily dead. Now, Romans 3, verse 10. And I know, I know that I'm speaking to a group of, you know, Bible-believing people. Many, many of you are converted. We're all struggling. And I know that you've committed this to memory many, many years ago, but I still want to look at it. Romans 3, verse 10. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is, what's the next word? None. What percentage is none? None. Okay, yeah, zero. That's right. I was going to say 100%. What percentage is none? 100% of the people be a zero. Yeah, you can look at that two different ways. Sorry about that. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeks after God. They are all gone out of the way. I'm in verse 12. Are you following? They are together become what? What does your, what does your uh, New King James say there? Quickly. Without a beat. That word unprofitable. Is it unprofitable? Okay. They are all become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Now, do you see? Listen, listen. Do you see the plight of a human bag of bones? Humanity outside of the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. They're going out of the way. There is no heavenly value in them at this point. Alienated, separated, filthy defiled, guilty, and condemned. Did you understand those words? Hands up. Okay, good. Thank you. I can keep going. Now let's go on to verse 13. Now here, here's what I mean by filthily dead. An object that is human matter. Human matter. And that means you, if you weigh 150 pounds, 210, I'm about 195. That's 10 too many. Uh, but it's still, can you imagine? Can you imagine, you know, 200 pounds of human matter filthily dead you're saying preacher you're out of your mind where are you going with this no i'm not out of my mind i might i might look like it who cares but it's true look at look at the next verse here's 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 what these people look like that we just read about in verses 11 and 12 here's what it looks like now i'm reading the bible i'm not reading the baptist church journal or the uh south boston herald this is this is the bible Let's look what it looks like. Their throat is a what? Open grave. Their throat is an open grave. Is that filthily dead? Number two. Their tongues. No. With their tongues, they have used deceit. 
the poison of rattlesnakes, maybe NIV, is in their mouth, in their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood, semicolon. Now let's go back. I want to go back there to verse 13. Now remember, back there in Ephesians chapter 2, and you had he quickened who were dead. Filthily. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you have been in, in the third world countries? Maybe. I mean, for a period of time. Did you ever see, did you ever have the very, very extremely unique opportunity of seeing an open sepulcher? Or sepulcher, however you pronounce it here. Or sepulcher. Open grave. An open grave with a human body in it. Did you ever smell the decay of a pile of human bodies. You know, they're not living, they're dead. So God is telling us what a dead person looks like. Stay with me. I'm not making this up. I'm just, I'm just putting scripture on scripture because Paul says in Ephesians that this is the type of people he makes alive. He makes brand new people. Out of a pile of human rot and decay. This is powerful. This is beautiful. This is life changing. This is the everlasting gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's hope tonight for you. I don't care who you are. What kind of sin you've committed. Except blaspheme against the Holy Spirit. There is hope. This is the message. That changes lives. This is solution. This is a solution for the world's terrible demonic tragic dilemma. There's hope in Jesus Christ for people whose throat is an open grave, rotten human mass. And I've seen mounds of them in the Haiti earthquake, bigger than this church, dumped together in a payloader. You could smell it kilometers down the road, and after you passed, open graves. I've seen open graves in Guatemala, that earthquake in 1976. And in other countries, dead bodies decaying along the road like a groundhog or a killed animal along the road under the hot August sun in July. You're saying, preacher, you're being too graphic. I'm not being any more graphic than what the Bible is. These are people outside of Jesus Christ. This is what beautifies the plan of salvation. This is what beautifies the fact that we become new creatures in Christ Jesus. You can become a new creature tonight. A new person in Christ Jesus. How many times in Christ Jesus? Sorry, Pastor. 164. 164, yeah. I, I like the way you just want to stretch and just maximize the word of God. Go for it. Brother Nathan. 164 times. Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have used deceit. The liars they betray. They say nice things to you. Then go to the neighbor and stab you in the back. Do you like people like that? I don't either. Rattlesnakes. Whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed innocent blood. 
I don't know what, I don't know where your mind goes when you think of people who are swift, they run to murder, they run to kill. Maybe not with a gun, maybe not with a knife, but with our words, when we hate one another. We are murderers, it says in 1 John, quick to kill, they're swift, belligerent. They plan to kill and destroy the reputations of other people by talking about other people behind their back. Do those things happen in the sanctuary of the Lord? Do you have gossipers in this church? Do you have a critical person? Almost every church uh, has a church grump. Almost every congregation has a church grump. And I don't know who you are. But I have a gut feeling this church has no church grump. Complains. Negative. Don't like the color of the carpet. They don't like the way the preacher preaches. They don't like the song the song leader leads. Is there a church grump? You don't even know what I mean. Well, if you do, he ought to repent. People that are critical are those who are self-righteous. And they find enjoyment. If they can speak of others, because they feel it lifts themselves up, even though it might be the width of a 20-weight paper, which is only that high, that thick. Okay, so these people are swift to shed innocent blood. I think of abortion. Someone said, and I think it's true, the most dangerous place for an infant to be today is in the womb of its mother. And so since 1973... The peoples of this great United States of America have killed what? Is it going on 20 million innocent children in the United States alone? Can you imagine? This is the type of people. This is what people do outside of Jesus Christ. <coughs> Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Let me say this, and we've got to get off this thing, because we want to get back here on the new life. When a man loses his fear of God, he becomes more desperate and more dangerous than a beast. These are people outside of God. Now the reason why I went down that path here is to show us, only to show us this, that you... Has he quickened who at one time were filthily dead in trespasses that is belligerently known deliberate sin, hidden sin, church sin called iniquity. Iniquity and sin, according to the Hebrew in the Old Testament, is not the same thing. You, you will never read that the heathen, the Philistines, or in the New Testament that the Greeks commit iniquity. Iniquity is almost always used, if not every time, with the sins of God believing and God professing people. So we're looking here that you had the quicken who were dead in sins, iniquity, and were totally alienated and separated from God, filthily dead. Those same people. God in his love, God in his mercy, God in his goodness, we're going to talk about that tomorrow night. He raises us up in newness of life. And we become new creatures. All the old things, these ugly, nasty, demonic, decimating features of humanity that we read about in Romans chapter 3. God takes that same person 
And he doesn't just rearrange the furniture and the intestines a little bit and, and shake them a little bit and say, oh, hey, now you're a new creature. It's a, it's a brand new creature. God never rearranges the furniture. But we die to all those things. And in Jesus Christ, we become new creatures. We become the sons and daughters of God. That's why 1 John says, 1 John, is it three, beloved, now are we the sons and the daughters of God? And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we say it. Know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him and we shall know him as he is. And whosoever has this hope inside of himself, whoever has this hope inside of himself, purifies his lifestyle to the same degree that Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the liberator, is pure in the eyes of God. It's an act of God. To take a rotten, decayed bag of human matter and turn it into a saint, equal heirs to that of the Son of God, is an act of God for the glory of God. This is the everlasting gospel. This is good. This is strong. This is exciting. This is miraculous. We cannot explain it. He made us alive. Oh, we can go to Ephesians 1. Jump over to Ephesians 1. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with... What's the next word? Blessed us with... All hate. Oh, you're waking up now. Man, now I'm, I'm, go ahead. Yeah. All, I like that. All spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him. How do you like that? Hey, that's special. I don't care what kind of a bloody bag of bones, what kind of a rebel you might be here tonight. I want you to know several things. Number one, God loves you. Number two, God loves Needs you. Number three, God wants you. He has chosen you. He wants you. Young person, if you're here tonight, you're 14, 12, 13. You've never come to Jesus Christ and accepted him as your Lord and Savior. He's waiting. He wants you. He is choosing you. He has gone to the most divine extreme extremes. Is that good English? In order. To make a plan of salvation. That you can become a brother of Jesus Christ. You can become a family of God. And the guilt is gone. And where there's no guilt, there's no condemnation. Where there's no condemnation, there's no fear. Just, we get release. That doesn't mean all our problems are over. It just means there's salvation. It means there's deliverance we got to get serious about these things. we got to get excited about these things. It's okay if you say amen a little bit tonight. Or if you just wiggle your big toe in your shoe. Don't make too much movement. Wiggle your big toe. But I don't want to see your knee jerking. I mean, go ahead and enjoy this. This is the plan of salvation. We need to live this. We need to breathe this. We need to eat this. It's got to be coming out of our skin. This is our life. This is our destination. This is our salvation. Do you know why too many times our personal salvation experience and witness in the neighborhood is not contagious? 
Do you know why we're not as contagious as we should be? Because we don't make it look attractive. We don't make it look attractive. When we are in relationship with Jesus Christ, and when we take on the person and the beauty and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, we get the whole nine yards with it. And wherever God goes, wherever Jesus goes, there's some movement. There's some, there's some conviction. There's, there's a little bit of thrashing around. I mean, wherever, God, wherever the Spirit of God goes, there's love. And there's light. And there's liberty. The three L's. There is light. There is life. There is love. And wherever there is love, there is liberty. We read, that starts in Genesis chapter 1, 1, and we read that through Revelation 22. Wherever the Spirit of God goes, there is movement. And so when we claim these beautiful verses, it just it makes us attractive. And when we are attractive in the community, we become contagious. Yeah? Now that doesn't mean you have to shout when you preach like me. Like the children say when they come back there, you say, hey, what, what do you talk so loud? <laughs> well, I don't know either. I say, well, I don't know. I, I, I just like it. You know, when we play at the church picnic, we play volleyball, aren't we shouting, hey, get it, get the, oh, we can shout then. And I'm not, I'm not saying that we come in here like holy roller and we all shout. I'm not implying that whatsoever. But inside our spirits, a little bit more charisma wouldn't hurt, eh? Because when you really enjoy something, you sort of show it, eh? Come on, get a grip. New creatures. Oh, I'm here. Okay. So we are, we're blessed with all spiritual blessings. Verse 4, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. I said that last night. Before the foundation of the world, God knew that you're going to be hair, black hair, green hair. I mean, red hair, not green. I didn't mean to say green. You're not from Mars. I don't see anybody here from Mars. He, he knew your DNA. He knew you're going to be sitting here tonight. He's waiting for you. Before the foundation of the world, if you're here and you're 14 or you're 90 and there's sin in your life, he's waiting. He's longing. He's urgent. That we should be holy and without blame. Listen, every warm body here tonight, can you honestly say before God, don't worry about me. Don't worry about me. I'm a little nobody. Can you honestly say that before God, you are holy and without blame? Is there an outstanding sin in your life? Is there something that's bugging you here tonight? As I talk about this great plan of salvation and the freedom of the Holy Spirit, are, are you sitting there thinking, hey, I'm not quite there? Well, if you're not quite there, no problem. Get there tonight then one time. Come on, get there. Do it. Don't come back and say, oh, I should have stood. Don't say that, just stand. Having predestinated us. Oh, there we go out on a limb. People don't understand that. He predestinated. That means he knew in his foreknowledge that he's going to make a plan whereby we can experience the adoption of children into Jesus Christ. We become brothers of Jesus Christ, heir to the beauties of heaven in the name of Jesus Christ as Jesus being our spiritual brother. Good stuff, eh? You don't want to miss out on this. 
You don't want to miss out. So, don't forget Romans 5.10. But go to Colossians. So this person that is experiencing new life, what does a person like this look like? What does he look like? Well, when I get big and grow up, I want to be like Pastor Josh. He stood here, and I sat there. And I tuned into his heart. Is that okay for preachers to do that? I tuned in and I sniffed him out. And you know what I smelled? Genuine Jesus Christ. That's what I smelled. I felt it. When I grow up and get to be a big man, I want to be like Josh Good. Real. Alive. Loves to preach. Didn't his boy, little boy, pray that, Daddy, I pray that you would have fun preaching. I heard that. Didn't he? (laughs) Have fun living the Christian life. If you're here tonight and the Christian life and the Christian walk is miserable and threatening to you, you need to get to your feet. Sorry. You got to get up. Because you're not attractive. You're not contagious. You're enduring it. We've got to go beyond that. We've got to get beyond. Oh, I've got to teach Sunday school. Oh. Sorry about that. That was not necessary, but it's how I feel. <laughs> I am from PA. Did I say Colossians 3? If. Or since, because, because you are now risen with Christ, what are we going to do? Number one. Go ahead. Oh, didn't I say it? Colossians 3, 1. Since, or, since you are, now King James says, if ye then be risen. But your NIV or your new King James is going to say, since, or because of the fact that you are now risen with Christ, you are going to, what's that S word? Seek those things which are above. You're going to pursue the kingdom of God. You're going to pursue the righteousness of God. You're going to run after God. You're going to tailgate him in a desperate fashion. In such a way that if you don't miss him, you won't die eternally. Because if you don't, you will. Now there I didn't make any mistake. Did you catch what I said? We need to pursue God in such a fashion and go after him in such a way that if we, if we don't, in such a way that if we don't get him, we will die because if we don't, we will. If we don't catch him, we will die. We need to pursue him in such a way that if we don't capture the thing we're chasing, we will die. C, 
Since you are now risen, we're talking about the new life. Since you are now risen with Christ, seek those things. Verse 2, what does it say? The first phrase, here we go, read it together. Set your affections. I didn't hear you. Set your affections. One more time. Set your affections. Are you doing that? Come on. Oh, we read it and it falls out of our mouth like grease lightning. Number three, <laughs> number three, verse three, for you are dead and your life is what? Hid with Christ in God. <laughs> I'm finished. Thank you. You've been a nice class. I mean, I'm not finished. I'm going to stop. I feel like I only started preaching here the last 10 minutes, but it's 830. Sound to quit. Set your affection. Seek after God. Pursue. This is what the new man's going to do. He's going to pursue God because he loves him. Whatever you love, you pursue. This young lady here, I mean, I want to tell you, I was pretty desperate. And if it wouldn't have been for my old brown Ford Granada car, I couldn't have gotten her. <laughs> but I, I polished my shoes. Look at them. I still keep them polished. I pursued her because I loved her and I wanted her. I said, Dad, go get her for me. Sort of like Samson. <laughs> Pursue. Get serious. Set your affection and hide yourself in Jesus Christ 164 times. Pastor Nathan, not 194. <laughs> Do it. So if you're here tonight, if you're here tonight, you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. Get to your feet. If you are here tonight and you once knew him and you backslid, you become lukewarm. Get to your feet. If you're here tonight and you're not sure, you've been lollygagging, compromising, eh? Get to your feet. Is that simple? I think it's simple. See, I, my IQ isn't very high, but I, I, I do have a passion, though. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I lift this beautiful group of people to you this church house is full of very beautiful important people and lord i would that none perish but you, that you would do a work of your grace of conviction and calling tonight oh god walk through the pews and enter the hearts no you won't enter you'll stand on the outside and you'll knock i do not know i cannot tell what's in the hearts and minds of these people. And God, I don't need to because you do. But your word was spoken here tonight. And, oh, God, you promised us over and over in the Bible that where the word goes, your Holy Spirit will follow and it will do its work. God, roll up your sleeves tonight and make bare your arm and do your work. It's simple. It's simple. Jesus' name we pray, amen.